The following conversation with Katie Condit and Whitney Swander of Better Together Central Oregon aired on January 17, 2020 on the Radical Songbook on KPOV, 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two-hour show highlighting the role that music plays in social justice and protest, and it airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Katie Condit and Whitney Swander are here in the studio with me. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Thanks right. for the invite. Hey, you got a microphone up there you can pull down. Everybody's got a microphone today. <laughs> so there you go. Okay? Thank Fantastic. You. All right. Sorry I didn't mention that before. You know. All right. So Better Together Central Oregon is a regional cross-sector partnership working collectively to improve education outcomes for children and youth from cradle to career. That language uh, comes directly from the Better Together website. Uh, Better Together was formed in 2012. Uh, Better Together staff uh, work with over 300 partners and stakeholders in six school districts, two higher education institutions, I assume that's OSU and COCC, uh, and many early learning organizations, nonprofits, businesses, and government agencies. They work together with these partners to increase the number of students graduating from high school, continuing their education and training after high school, and ultimately beginning work in a career they find meaningful. So as I said, here in this KPOV studio with me to talk more about Better Together, Executive Director Katie Condit and Whitney Swander. Am I pronouncing that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Director of Data and Evaluation. So Katie and Whitney, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming in. How much time do you have? As much as you need. Okay, well, we'll go about 45 <laughs> minutes or so. Sounds great. We'll see, you know, and we can go a little longer than that. I'd like to end the show with a little music. Um, so let's start with a little personal background. Uh, um, and uh, I asked you on this uh, uh, in email, but I'll just ask you again here. How long have you each been uh, at Better Together? So I, um, Katie, have been with Better Together. I'm coming up on five years now. Okay, that was Whitney. Okay, that's Katie. And you've been here as uh, you've been there in five, for five years as executive director. Yes. Okay, and Whitney. Uh, I joined the organization. Um, I think I'm like today might actually be my two year anniversary. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> Take the rest of the day off. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, so, so what led you uh, or inspired you to? Um, to come to Better Together and basically to, I guess, on a, on a more broad, broader level, to do this kind of community work? I was uh, in a position prior to this um, in an education research position. And one of the things I found frustrating about that role was just the lack of connectivity between research and practice. And so I was very deeply involved in kind of university research, ivory tower culture and uh, when the Better Together opportunity opened up nearly five years ago, I saw a chance in a community I loved to really start to bridge some of what we know is best for kids through research into actions that our school districts and community can be taking for students. So it is a really unique opportunity to to bridge those two worlds. That's what drew me to the work. Mm-hmm. And so you were that work that you were doing before Better Together, that was here in Central Oregon or elsewhere? It wasn't. Um, I was in Central Oregon working in nonprofit and then left for about three years to go into education education research in the Midwest. So I was in South Bend, Indiana at the okay. University of Notre Dame All right. um, and came back for Better Together. And Whitney? Yeah. Uh, 
Katie and I actually have a lot of um, background in common that led us down different pathways. So I had uh, pursued training in policy, policy analysis, policy development, policy evaluation. And uh, similar to, to Katie, I was working at sort of the government level in that um, and realizing that I was in that space too far removed from the work that was actually happening in communities to be able to pull the levers that really impact um, how programs occur, how systems are built, and uh, had the opportunity to move back to Central Oregon. And that was really my goal was to move into um, a policy and evaluation space that was um, closer to kids and families. And um, two years ago, I, you know, I've been a partner of Better Together. I think this is really, <clears throat> I really appreciate that. This. Um, I've been a partner of Better Together since I returned to my hometown of uh, Bend and started working in regional organizations here in Central Oregon five years ago, about the same time that Katie uh, started in her role. And so I was a partner of Better Together before I became uh, a staff member. And when uh, the the opportunity to really lead on what data and impact evaluation in our region looked like, um, I, I, I wanted to be part of that. And so I'm, I'm really... I don't even want the day off because I, I love the work that I do so much every day. Yeah. When you get older, you'll want those days off. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, but it's okay to save them up. I'm, I'm counting down to vacation. So, right, work time is also very valuable. Right I, now. I, I, I totally, I'm with you. I understand. Absolutely. So you're a native of the area. I mean, you were born and I born am, and raised in this area. Yep, I'm born and raised in in Bend. I uh, graduated from Mountain View High School and uh, went to college here in Oregon as well. So I've looked at your website and I, I downloaded and printed out a couple of things about it. But there's a huge amount of material information, uh, valuable information, I'd say, on your website. So. Um, uh, and I was what what really struck me in in looking at it was just the huge amount of work mm -hmm. that's actually involved in in uh, in what you do, working to improve educational outcomes for students. So, one one of the things that you talk about is a framework, and I guess it's the mo your model, this cradle to career. Mm -hmm. Can can one of you like just for our listeners explain what that is and how that guides your work? Absolutely. So research is really clear that there are some really critical outcomes along the cradle to career uh, spectrum that matter for young people to to meet to be successful in so that they're thriving later in life. Those include things like kindergarten readiness up through third grade reading proficiency uh, into eighth grade math through high school graduation, and some type of post-secondary training or education. And all of these benchmarks, if you will, we know are directly tied to having a meaningful career, um, a, a living wage, thriving later in life, and even are tied to later health outcomes. And so when we say cradle to career, it's a way of recognizing those outcomes across that spectrum and saying we, we can't just target one area. There is no silver bullet. We have to be really mindful of the stages that young people progress through, in, particularly in their educations. Mm -hmm. Something that I would just add to that is 
why we're looking at these outcomes is is not necessarily focused on counting the number of kids only that are within that are meeting those benchmarks or meeting those outcomes, but thinking about how the systems in play are contributing to that, right? So we don't need more programs to do these things. Certainly we need safe places for kids to be and we need, um, you know, access to mentors. These are really critical things that are just good for human development. But what we need are systems that deliver that to all students, to all children, uh, to all families. And that's really the core of Better Together's work. So when we think of like, you know, when we hear, gosh, you know, you have 300 plus partners, you have um, these deep bodies of work. We're not in the business of spinning up programs. We're in the business of thinking critically about um, what infrastructure in terms of uh, early learning and, and K through 12 and transitions to higher ed exist and how do we do that better as a region? So your community partners, as, as your website indicates, and it obviously when we're talking about school districts and, and schools are, are, are institutions and organizations that are already doing work. But when you talk about systematic stuff, you uh, are looking at their work critically both looking at, uh, would I be correct to say, both looking at you know some of the positive things they're doing, and looking at some things that you would that you make rec- that you can recommend improvement on within each, within the various institutions. Absolutely, yeah. I would say within those various institutions, and more importantly for us across them. Uh, so we work a lot in 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 looking at various nonprofits, various schools and school systems and saying, how can we align these systems better and, and in that way leverage some of the impact they're having on young people? So as many of, of us know, we have dozens and dozens and dozens of nonprofit organizations in Central Oregon. And so the yeah. lens we take is, you know, what does it look like to have work for young people not happening in silos, but to be really intentionally aligned in order to leverage our resources and our impact. And so on the ground, that looks like working with, say, a a number of nonprofits and connecting them better to a school district so that schools are aware of what's happening with students in out-of-school time and vice versa, which means uh, services and supports can be stronger for the students who need them. And And I think Whitney described it well to say better together is at the systems level of that work. We do not directly serve children, youth, and families. We look at the systems that do and work with them to to more strongly align. Anything to add? No, I think okay. If you just tuned in, listener, this is Radical Songbook. I'm your host, Michael Funky. I'm talking to Katie Condit, Executive Director of Better Together, and Whitney Swander, who is the Director of Data and Evaluation at Better Together. So, um, and, and yeah, go since, ahead, Whitney. Since we can talk about this, um, we can interject. We're the better. We're better together, and the early learning hub. So that's really important. We are two organizations that are are merged to, together, um, and it's just important for us uh, because we have many partners that came to the Better Together Network via the early learning hub. And was that, um, it's called the early learning hub of Central Oregon. Okay. Yeah. So this was sort of the coming together of two different nonprofits. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, two different organizations. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we really. We really, as you mentioned, Michael, stick to that cradle to career vision and the early learning hub was doing so much in the early learning world in this true spirit of alignment. It didn't make sense for us to duplicate that. So instead, we aligned our two organizations. So 
I'm not sure how much to get into what is on the website so much as wanting to get some examples from you, some concrete examples. But I guess I guess what I'll do is just I'll cite the force on your website, and and I would encourage people to go check out the website, which is bettertogethercentraloregon.org. Um, and you know you could even do that while we're talking here. Uh, if you uh, so chose, but you talk about strategies and and the visions around them, and you're so you're talking about earning early learning and well and wellness. You're talking about supporting families, uh, building bridges, um, education, creating educational pathways to career meaningful careers. Can you give us some examples of what of work that you've done um, recently, uh, or you know over the years? Um, so that people can get an idea concretely of what you're doing and who you're, who you're working with and that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'll give a really concrete example, and then I'm, I imagine Whitney has one or two more. Um, and that is a Youth Career Connect initiative that began about five years ago uh, with a group of community members, so not only educators, but private sector business owners, entrepreneurs, who came together to say, we have a problem in Central Oregon. Young people who are finishing school, and that could be high school or college, are not prepared to work. They are coming into work without the, quote, soft skills or really critical skills they need to thrive in the workforce. So the role Better Together played was to convene this work group of cross-sector stakeholders monthly to dig into strategies that we could use collectively to solve this problem. We could say, well, let's point the finger at schools. It's because schools aren't preparing young people. But the private sector also had a role to play. And what we learned was when we went around and asked young people, went into our different high schools, was that... uh, Fewer young people ages 16 to 24 than ever in the past are are having meaningful work experiences before they finish school. So they're not getting those hands-on first job, uh, first internship experiences, and they're finishing high school or even college in some cases, entering the workforce, having never experienced it. And so the private sector said, we have a role to play in this. What does it look like for us to be bringing in young people as interns while they're still in school? Educators said, you know, we could be making those matches more strategic. Strategically. So our region, in partnership with Chambers of Commerce, EDCO, Economic Development of Central Oregon, and school districts and our colleges said, let's build a more streamlined system. We have no meaningful system in Central Oregon. And by Central Oregon, we cover Crook Deschutes and Jefferson Counties wherein young people can be matched to internships. So we built a system as a region where coordination for meaningful internships happens in a centralized space at EDCO or Chambers of Commerce so that schools and businesses can connect. Uh, And I think that's a really concrete example. So if you're a business out there or an employer or or if you're a school wanting to place a young person, you now have one place to go, a centralized, streamlined um, location where meaningful internships can be coordinated and established. And through that system in the last two and a half years since it's been lifted, we've had over 180 young people kind of placed in internships through that pilot. And that system now exists in Redmond, Madras, Sisters, Bend, and Prineville. And so Better Together's role was to facilitate the building of that system, to put it, to raise some funding to get it piloted for two years. So we raised about $400,000 to make that happen in Central Oregon. And now our East Cascades Works and EDCO have taken that over and are operating that system of meaningful internships, and and we've stepped back. So your role is essentially over in EDCO and other organizations. So how can people learn about 
this? I mean, if people don't know that this is happening, where do they where do they go now? Yeah, this for that specific youthcareerconnect.org is a great website that's been developed locally and has all the information you would need. What is it again? Youthcareerconnect.org. And you can connect with your local coordinator through that work. Um, there's information for for student if you know if there's a young person who is out uh, listening right now and it, you know wants to know what opportunities are available, they can sign on. They can't. You, know, you don't even have to sign on. You can just browse uh, what sort of employer employers are looking to hire interns. Uh, you can fill out a profile. You'll get a follow up from a coordinator. If you're a business, uh, you can look at what the process is and what the requirements of hosting a an intern at your your site are. Um, you know, I would say part of Better Together's role in this has also been facilitating the why um, of why we would do this ongoing um, and that's that's required ongoing refinement um, it hasn't just been a one and done process but really thinking about as we've expanded across the region um, into high schools and higher ed how do we define what an internship is for um, that's meaningful for young people on their way to a career? So we've really focused on sort of a minimum number of hours um, that constitutes what it is. It is um, a opportunity that is primarily focused on learning. Um, it is about connection to a supervisor that serves as a kind of professional mentor. And then um, there's, there's a learning plan that is associated with it. So um, for this focused period of time, young people are actually working on their own goals in partnership with an adult who cares about their development. And then, um, you know, because I get a, a look in at the data um, on a pretty regular basis, we see that most of our young people who engage um, are engaging far beyond the the minimum 65 hours. We've had, um, you know, young people go into 400, 500 hours of work to the extent where, you know, we've, we're asking critical questions. When does this stopping an internship and when does this become employment? Right. Um, and, the, and those are sort of how Better Together remains connected to this work, right? We're not completely stepping away. It's still within our network because it is, it is a, um, a system and service for young people. But we do not run and manage yeah. it. And and so that's just a, cri- a critical distinction. Mm-hmm. East Cascades Works, which is our Workforce Investment Board, this is their lane. They run and manage it with EDCO and Chambers of Commerce and Schools. So it's a, mm-hmm. that's a concrete example that I think especially helps our private sector partners understand the cross-sector nature of our, of our work. And so what, can you just, uh, even though you don't run it, can you give me just, give our listeners mm-hmm. just some examples of what kind, what kind of internships are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Just a, a few examples of like what are they actually doing? <laughs> Gosh, it's such a it's such a variety. Wide variety yeah, I mean, yeah. we have everything from advanced manufacturing internships. I know, for example, a number of our students have gone to Composite Approach in Redmond, for example, and and some of those students actually have been retained on with jobs after they've finished high school, which is an incredible Good. outcome. Yeah. Uh, we've had veterinary internships where veterinarians are opening up their office uh, for young people. We've had marketing and uh, mm-hmm. digital. Uh, digital design um, in interns, where you know young people have some some self self taught skills or things that they've learned through a career technical education program, and they want to go beyond producing the the um, newsletter at their school, right? And so they are working side by side with a um, organization that is wanting to develop that within their business. So you work, does this include nonprofits as well as businesses out yep. there in terms absolutely. of internships? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. We've had a number non- of it. nonprofits like KPOV. Sure. Uh, 
Yes. Go, please head to youthcareerconnect.org and you <laughs> no. can get yourself set up. And they, I would they, say, you know, what's been interesting is even our school districts have started bringing on interns into their administrative offices because it just hadn't it hadn't um, come to mind before. And now it's standard I, practice. I, over the years, having come from a labor background, I have mixed feelings about internships because ah, I've seen too many times internships become taking not just take, but interns it's free labor it can, it can very easily be free labor which is you know and, and here at kplv just to use one example of a nonprofit, it wouldn't lead to a job mm-hmm. i mean it i mean unless one of our three employees were you know decided to move on it might but you know there's no we, we don't create jobs here one of the really important value statements for youth career connect is that young people are compensated in some way for their time so what's been interesting to learn is that over 80 percent of employers are paying their interns. They're willing to pay their interns, oh. which is fantastic. Wow. We have interns who are making upwards of $18 an hour. Uh, and then if if for some reason employers like nonprofits are unable to pay, young people are earning school credits. And so that's right. another form right. of payment. We certainly, similar to you, do not advocate uncompensated <laughs> time. Yeah. That does become just free labor and coffee grabbing and cleaning. It's, it's just so, a, a, thin, a delicate balance there to make Absolutely. sure that we're doing right and not exploiting Yep, you know. agreed. And, yeah. and, you know, depending on what this is getting kind of into the weeds, and this is where our internship coordinators are really the experts yeah. in this, but depending on what an employer um, expects of um, of an intern, it, it triggers some things that it's important that young people are paid for that work. Because if you are doing the work that would otherwise be um, paid within a business, then that business should right. should expect to pay their right. intern yeah. and and so this has created i think a really interesting culture in our local economy to say we pay young people for the work that they do oh that was one that's one aspect of your work and as you said just not not even a just a small aspect of your work really so get, t- give me some other examples of some work that you're doing yeah um so some work that actually started probably three years ago now. Uh, I remember this clearly because I was a partner around the Better Together table. Uh, and Better Together didn't yet have data capacity, dedicated data capacity, but something that's really core to how we operate is we start with the data. Um, so we start with what uh, what metrics are available, and then we go out and we find the stories. Um, we, we collect a lot of qualitative um, and 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 contributing quantitative data to understand bigger what the need is. Um, so I remember a one of our longest standing work groups, which are networks of partners uh, that are focused around some some key um, outcomes or populations, is the Latinx Success Initiative. So this is um, gosh, how many people do we have? Like more than probably 70 or 80 partners around this table now. And it's called again Latinx. The Latinx Success Initiative. Latinx Success Initiative. Um, LSI, we refer to it often as the LSI. Uh, so about three years ago, Katie brought um, the the third grade um, English language arts assessment data for um, third graders in our region across six school districts. And at that time, um, I, I think it was about 33% of our third graders, Latinx third graders, were reading, uh, were performing to meeting the standards of the assessment in reading and writing. 
And um, that was in compare in comparison to about sixty um, percent overall of our students in our region. So reading about half the rate of um, of our students overall. And there wasn't a plan. We just came together and we said, "What are we going to do about this? What are the things that we, as a collective um, entity, can do? Why? Let's start forming a narrative." And this has led to. Really, an incredible body of work that is influencing far beyond elementary reading um, and early literacy. It's really fundamentally changing the discussion about how young people are successful at school, especially um, our our Latinx and Native young people, um, which I think is an important piece that has led to discussion that is not just about one um, one eth- one ethnic identity of students, but really the collection of students of color um, and families of color within our regional school system. So, you know, some of the tangible things that have come out of this, and there's been some really exciting and well done local reporting on Juntos Aprendemos, which is a early Spanish literacy program that is operating in Bend and Redmond right now. It's a program of the High Desert ESD in partnership with um, the Ben Lapine School District and um, the Redmond School District. It is a partnership that um, has come out of the Latino network actually in Portland and Multnomah County that um, a group of parents developed an early learning program in which um, parents were really leading the the education of their children in early literacy. And um, so we've replicated that here in Central Oregon. And it's taken on its own nuance, right? It is not exactly the program that is in Multnomah. It is the Central Oregon version of that program. And we have um, three sites, two in, two in Bend, one in Redmond. Um, we have about uh, 70-ish families that are participating. A parent and a child uh, come to this early learning program where they are literally learning together. Juntos a and they most means we learn together in Spanish. In Spanish, thank you. That's really important. Yeah. Um, so the first part of the, the the program, parents and their children, and I say parents because there are, are some moms and dads that are coming together, um, or you know, two parents that are coming together and um, really focused on it, or a grandparent and a and a um, parent that are coming together, and then um, halfway through the class. Um, Children stay and they focus on, you know, developmentally appropriate early learning activities. And parents have their own sort of session uh, where they're focused on everything from brain development and brain science and and the, the ways that from research you can um, really build that malleable intelligence of kids. Um, on the other side, it's understanding like how this K through 12 system works and what's the role of parents within it. So building advocacy um, and agency in parents to really be active parts of their their children's um, education and understanding that's important in this country and, and in our school districts for parents to have those important roles. So um, that's an example. I think there's you know lots of other things that have come out of that work. Um, increasingly, our districts are, are emphasizing the importance of racial equity training and awareness, and that has come from this work to say when we're looking at um, different outcomes for different groups of students, there's a, there's a system at play. And how do we name that? Um, and how do we put pressure as a collective for the types of change, the types of training and resources um, and curriculum that we want to see in our, in our schools? Yeah, and so just to emphasize our role in all of this is not, you know, it does look, when you look at our website in the Cradle to Career Focus, that sounds like 
that one program Juntos Aprendemos is the work of an entire organization, and it is, and that's not our role. Our role was to f- facilitate the collective voice of the Latinx Success Initiative work group who created these strategies, and we then ask who is best positioned in our region to play that role. And so mm-hmm. with the Juntos Aprendemos Early Spanish Literacy Project, that was our school districts and the High Desert ESD. Uh, with other literacy projects, it's been the library in partnership with districts. Mm-hmm. With the racial equity uh, training and ongoing learning, we've partnered with the Oregon Center for Educational Equity, and now Ben Lapine has taken that up as their equity vision and, and training. And so Again, our role being kind of the facilitators, the advocates, the lifters of of pilots that come out of these collective spaces, we don't own, operate, and run programs. And so in that way, we're able to cover quite quite a lot of ground just by amplifying the collective voice. Mm-hmm. And you also... Um you worked with the Ben Lapine School District on this recent... The, um what was it called? The Excellence and Equity Review. Correct. What, what was your role? I saw. I, I raised it because I saw reference to Better Together yep. in a news news item about it. What, what was your role? Uh, that just for our listeners who don't know, the school district recently um, worked on, produced, and, and issued a, uh, an equity review, an Excellence and Equity Review that they surveyed many students, family members, faculty, etc., uh, talking about specifically focused on. Uh, experiences of students of color, L- LGBTQ students, Spanish-speaking students, students with uh, disabilities, et cetera. So what was your role there? Yes, this was an exciting opportunity for partnership. So um, when the Student Success Act was passed at the state level, which as most of you know is infusing a ton of money into our district systems, the state really said it is critical that you're co-designing these plans with families. And so we worked alongside districts and because we're so connected through the Latinx Success Initiative and other initiatives to communities that are often pushed to the margins in our schools, to communities of color, the LGBTQ plus identifying communities, Uh, communities who are impacted by poverty. Uh, Districts were really open and asking, what is the best way to engage with families? We often invite them into family nights and they don't show up, quote unquote. And and so we developed and designed a system of family engagement where for families of color, uh, families of LGBTQ plus students, listening sessions happened in affinity space. So Better Together's role was to train community facilitators, community facilitators of color, community facilitators who identified with these different populations to facilitate those family listening sessions. So it, so families felt safe and welcome, felt like they were able to speak, whether it was in Spanish, um, so their native language. It wasn't just principals of buildings and school administrators asking families to come in and asking them what they thought. So through that process, we got some really incredible, honest feedback uh, that that districts just haven't had in the past because there hasn't been as much intention in engaging those often underrepresented families in those in those spaces. So one of our role one of our key roles was just ensuring those families were reached and having those sessions be really safe and welcoming for families. And then the other big piece was a role that so Whitney led in that, but she also led in the collection and analysis of all the mountains of qualitative data that came out of that. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, and I guess I would add to what Katie said is, you know, that developing and creating affinity space to um, to leverage learning is an evidence-based practice that, um, you know, part of Better Together's role is capacity building. So, um, 
it's not it's not just about kind of a one and done in, in program piece, but really thinking about how we build um, lasting resources that we can tap into. Um, and and so I think that's just important to frame within this. Um, there there was a ton of work that needed to occur in a very short period of time for districts and um, really high expectation that um, it be done with with a focus on on equity and so better together and part of my role was you know acting as a um, providing some technical assistance to how do we set up um, a very thorough listening session agenda? Um, what are the resources that we need in play? How does this logistically work out? And so um, the district did the work, right? Um, but Better Together was able to kind of come alongside the district and act as resource, um, answer questions, be a thought partner. Uh, and then as Katie had said, um, we served as a third party kind of, I, I would like to say neutral, um, but you know, I we know the we know the work we know districts um but come with like some expertise in both family engagement and community engagement and um and what high quality education environments look like to inform what um the analysis of as Katie said mountains and mountains of qualitative data look like um and similarly partnered with the Redmond School District in in you know a different approach but providing the same type of support and assistance um and really you know consulted with to some degree with um, all of our regional school districts. Yeah, and two things that Whitney said are that are really important that I just want to emphasize are the school districts did the work, and I think that's true across the Better Together Partnership. We don't uh, take credit for the work that our partners do. It is the partners on the ground, whether it's a nonprofit or a district or COCC, who are doing the work. We are we are there as to increase capacity, to add value, to make sure we're based in evidence, et cetera. And the other important thing Whitney said was this excellence and equity report, these family, quote, engagement sessions, this is not a one and done. And so big role better together is playing is right now as we speak, developing a system of family school connection that exists beyond a need that the state requests. This should be the way we do business in Central Oregon. Uh, families know what their students need more more than anyone else, and so we're we're developing co- systems where schools are co-designing with families, and that that's exciting and new. And we're being recognized across the state for doing that in some pretty innovative ways. Absolutely. Yeah. So part of what you know you're you're doing, you're kind of working in in an area where we've also got groups like well, the Restorative Justice and Equity Group that's doing. Also working in that same area around students of color in a different way, bringing them together into mm-hmm. to, together to talk about their issues, and we have a, um, I would say a um, relatively more receptive school board right now in in Bend uh, to this kind of work than I think. Uh, just so our listeners know, I'm planning to have a member of the school board uh, on a show on a show sometime in March. I think it's going to be on March 13th. Uh, as well as um, some representatives from restorative justice and equity to talk more about the excellence and equity survey and where it does go from here, that it's, this is just the beginning mm-hmm. of the process. And, of course, they're also going to be looking at uh, a new superintendent, which has becomes a very critical issue, too, in terms of all of this. Uh, so I, I'd be curious to know a little bit more about um, – the Redmond School District. What you, if you could just talk a little bit about what you what you've been doing with them or what they're doing, I guess would be. 
They absolutely. Redmond School District was, was actually the leading district on the Youth Career Connect initiative. So they've set that example for the region. In terms of the family engagement work, we did really similar work. They they also prioritized some affinity spaces for families and students, uh, which were really powerful, as well as having really robust qualitative analysis done of that. The only difference was Ben Lapine put out sort of this public excellence and equity report. Redmond School District is still working through their data and deciding what next steps are. And so I think each district, and, and we work with six in the region, um, each district is has their own culture, is working at their own pace, right. um, and we've plugged in where we can to push where we need to to support with technical assistance and capacity where we need to and it may it, it feels important to note that in this partnership with all of our school districts and higher ed institutions every superintendent in the region is on the better together board of directors as well as the president of COCC and the vice president of OSU Cascades yeah, and yeah. and I and I share that to say uh, that that is a commitment to this alignment work that we're doing across the region and so we are really in formal partnership around some of these pieces so a term that you've used that i just want to want you to define for our listeners and that's affinity space Mm -hmm. when you talk about that what is that yeah um so there's a, a rich body of evidence around affinity and affinity essentially is um like people with like experiences being able to um, engage around a topic um, with people who share that same identity and experience and that, um, you know, we're able to get past, um, you know, the, the barriers that uh, dominant culture puts on, you know, how we experience the world, what's the right way to experience the world, um, and just lets people be more honest and real about what's real for them, right? Um, there's, you know, affinity of space can occur with virtually any group, right? So um, we are three white people here having a conversation. Um, This, you know, could be a a conversation in affinity, right? Um, We have no other experience. Um, I'm making some assumptions about gender identity and, you know, but, you know, we can assume that we have um, a lot in common just based on our our shared affinity. Um, And so providing that in in an intentional way is really what um, that looked like. So um, we made, just based on... um, capacity that all parent sessions that uh, were identified as uh, affinity. So there were some um, families of color and linguistically diverse families that those would occur in affinity with a facilitator that shared that same identity and experience. Um, So that is that's what would you add? Just that the other important affinity space that we saw really mattered in this process was for LGBTQ plus students. We are going to hear different experiences if they are in affinity space uh, versus in mixed space with peers who don't similarly identify. And one of the most powerful affinity spaces as well was parents of those students. So parents of LGBTQ plus students is its own affinity space. And, and what we heard in those spaces was was probably different than what we would have heard in mixed space. So the research is very clear about, about the power of creating those spaces. I like to certainly include a call to action here. Um, what is true is that all young people in Central Oregon are not thriving. We have groups of young people who are not thriving and Schools can't do it alone. And so one of the things we say to any community member, whether it's an organization or or someone who's just moved here to retire, is uh, find your role. Um, every, every single adult in this community has a role to play in ensuring our young people are thriving. 
that may be as a mentor, it may be as hosting an intern at your place of employment. Uh, it may just be treating young people in a kind and welcoming way when you're walking in downtown Bend. But we, we all have a role to play. And if you're curious about what that could be, we enjoy working with community members to, to find where they fit. We are incredibly networked and connected and are happy to be the first place you come to ask what, what your role could be in support of young people. And so we, we'd like to end with that call to action of, of find your role. And, and you likely are already playing a role, but recognizing that these are our our students, not not just the students of a single or, or, or a family or parents. These are all of our students. Mm-hmm. What would you add, Whitney? Yeah, um, I, I think that it is an, a natural tagline that comes out of our, our work often is find your role where we're better together. And, you know, that is language that I think resonates at this moment in time that um, we need each other, right? Like we can't do this alone. Schools can't do this alone. Nonprofits can't do this alone. Your, uh, your, your, your local youth development program can't do this alone. Like there is a space if you are feeling um, compelled or called to be involved in your community, we need you. Um, and if you're feeling like you are overtapped and don't have anything to give, you're you're probably already doing it, right? So there's this element of like just that inner reflection, right? And right, right um, we operate um, a regional website that helps match volunteers to opportunities in the community, right? So um, we really tried in many different ways to think about how we create a connected community here that um, really is youth-focused, but um, because youth are, they're, they're not our future or they are our present, right? How we, how we guide and support youth today uh, really dictates what our future looks like. So investing now is the time and everyone can do something. BetterTogetherCentralOregon.org. Yeah. Anything else? Thank you. Uh, We're grateful for the time. Did we we cover what you need to cover? I really don't (laughs) want, you know, it's like we got a few more minutes. (laughs) I mean, I think there are, we we spoke to a few concrete examples of the plethora of work that's happening. There's, there's all, there are also a lot of those concrete examples in the early learning realm that um, if that's your jam, I would encourage you to, to check out. But these were, we, we skimmed the surface of the incredible work that's happening here in Central Oregon. And it is the work of our partners. It is not work that we own. Um, and so if you would like to learn more, we welcome we welcome you to reach out. All right. Thank you, Katie Condent, Director, Executive Director of Better Together, and Whitney Swander, D- Director of Data and Evaluation. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.